Get your copy of our January-February 2020 issue of Film Comment, featuring our Best of the Decade extravaganza with essays by Dennis Lim, Amy Taubin, Devika Girish, and R. Emmett Sweeney, the top 50 films and key new filmmakers of the 2010s, along with filmmakers, critics, and programmers' picks of the decade. Also, an in-depth interview with Pedro Costa, director of Vitalina Varela, opening at Film at Lincoln Center, and our annual Best of the Year poll, including write-ups of the 20 best films of 2019. Support nonprofit independent film journalism. Support film comment. Welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. My name is Nicholas Rapold, and I'm editor-in-chief of Film Comment. Uncut Gems, directed by Josh and Benny Safdie and starring Adam Sandler, is a full-throttle portrait of a diamond dealer in New York's Diamond District. It's been a wild success since it opened in December, and in our November-December issue, Michael Koreski wrote about the movie, praising how the Safdie brothers capture the bustle and pace of rapid-fire economic exchange, filtering it through an increasingly panicky wild ride. The neighborhoods of New York are central to the energy of Uncut Gems, as well as the Safdie brothers' previous films like Good Time. So we decided to invite them to chat about New York movies. Film comic contributor Nick Pinkerton sat down with the filmmakers at Film at Lincoln Center to talk about New York on screen and which particular movies influenced their vision of their hometown. Let's go to their conversation. Hello and welcome to the Film Comment Podcast. I am Nick Pinkerton, peripatetic film critic and occasional (laughs) film comment uh, contributor. I am here with Josh and Benny Safdie, the masterminds of Uncut Gems. I think, Josh, did you just vape just now? No, I didn't. Oh, (laughs) right. Not at all. I thought I saw like a, a, a steam coming from. Ah, uh, it's it's cold in here, so my ah, breath is fantastic. My breath, thirty-two degrees, yeah. and inside. and we're here to talk about, uh, among other things, New York movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are, uh, in the immortal words of Odyssey, native New Yorkers, <laughs> and uh, of course, Uncut Gems is very much a New York movie, and more than that, attached to some particular spots mm-hmm. in the city and outlying suburbs. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought perhaps we could start just by talking about an experience which, you know, only a few uh, natives of a few cities in the U.S. have, which is kind of growing up and seeing the place that you live consistently on film. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, unless you're from Los Angeles, New York, maybe Chicago to a lesser degree, you're just not seeing it that much. And I wondered if you could talk about some formative experiences there. Uh, Well, first, there's that great... uh film la plays itself not the uh male adult film but the documentary the tom anderson tom anderson film and he 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 made that he makes that early uh uh suppositions like you can you'll you can identify new york as the setting from one square foot of photograph you know part of the city whereas in la you can't Mm -hmm. it's always being cheated for somewhere else and uh i mean where does that come from? Uh, it comes from, from uh, I think I think it comes from the individuals and not through the the actual place. I think you learn more about the setting through people um, than landmarks. Uh, Desant, uh, Jules Desan is like, I think probably did it the the greatest. It started started the the that real movement. Uh, 
but what what was the what was talking talking about naked city yeah, the naked city, movie yeah, yeah. it's uh, unbelievable it was the first like real location great i think and kubrick was the was the uh set photographer or something mm. on that movie and it, it takes the title from the ouija yep. uh I, I don't recall exactly what the relationship between the ouija i think the, uh, book i think and the film is well ouija's book is um Ouija's book is, is actually pretty humorous because he has like those weird little uh, one-liners that accompany. But Ouija was like a he was like a journalist. He was like a, a, a ambulance chaser, basically. Just going around there were those photographs that were just in the Museum of City, New York. Right? Well, that's Kubrick. That's Kubrick. Yeah, no, but that, yeah. you were just saying he was the set photographer. He was, I and mean, yes. there were some pictures from the yes. set of that movie. But but um, yeah, it's just kind of like the eight million stories concept. Uh, uh, but what was the question? Well, again? I guess the formative experience with yeah, seeing yeah. It on I mean, film? you know, oh, seeing it on movies. When, when you when you go to a movie for the first time and yeah. you see this thing, you see the place there you was, live on screen, then walk. There out. was one thing. It's it's not. I guess it was recent. I for some reason I always think of it with a New York movie. It's a movie, Cops and Robbers. Oh sure. Yes, there's something that happens in it when I guess towards the end when they're kind of riding. There's a whole chase through Central Park, and they end up on 86th Street in the middle of the park and they get on the bus. And the fact that the filmmaker knew that there's a bus stop only on 86th Street, you know, right through the through the through the park, the bus never stops there, but it is there. And but I was that, like, oh, that's a very specific kind of I was like, oh, that's a very specific landmark that only somebody who is like I don't know why that pops into my head, but the the first know. the first time I ever thought of New York as a setting and was kind of confused by it was a movie called Above the Rim. <laughs> and I remember seeing the movie as a kid and not being able to identify so much because it was so uh, like I knew the playgrounds looked familiar, um, but I didn't there was no it felt like it was shot in L.A. or some for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe it, it parts of it were. Uh, but it was but it was like the it was like I was so proud. You know what it was? It was the Warren G uh, regulators song it was so West Coast. Mm -hmm. And you have Tupac in it, who was also very West Coast. It was oh, a New York confusing. native. He is a New York native. Yes. And his mom was like uh, his mom was involved with the Panthers. Right. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, I know he, he totally played down the New York part of it. Uh, but he's but yeah that movie I remember the west coast elements of it confused me as a little kid uh, but but I, I think that the I think I know you know what the mo what the the most uh, uh, impactful experience of seeing the city on camera was uh, on film was it was Kramer versus Kramer for sure because our dad showed us that movie in an effort to try to get us to understand what was going on between uh, our from, mom coming back into our life from his point yes. of view. <laughs> and we were going to like see her for the first time in a very long time. She was, you know, making an effort to be more involved in our lives. And, and, uh, and I remember, you know, you have, there's that scene in central park where they, where he runs over to Meryl Street, you know, and there's the, it's a great, it's a great movie. Scene. It's a great movie. But my point is like, I remember it just being like because of the because the situation was so familiar, and then on top of it, you're seeing the actual city in his apartment. Uh, yeah, it just was. Um, that was that was impactful. I have I have I don't know why again. This is free association. Look who's talking just popped into my head. But that's all in L.A. Exactly. I didn't know that until I saw it again recently after having a kid. I'm like, I'm going to go watch Look Who's Talking and see what that's like. Yeah, it's got all the instructions for having a child. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> so I was just like, okay, I'm watching it. I'm like, are those palm trees as he's driving his New York City cab down I this actually, massive street? And it's just so, that's a perfect example of the caricature of what 
people assume New York is, and that's why Kramer versus Kramer is actually. I perfect. actually, uh, we for speaking of, of look who's talking. I was a reference for gems oh, yes, it was. when I started working with the VFX company for the the journey through the gem. I sent them the uh, the sperm uh, the the sperm sequence, and uh, you know you know because they they said to me they were like well we in the beginning like we can't create something if there's no reference and i said well, why why can't we use our imaginations then i had to just use find all these photographs but then i was like oh i found a reference and i sent them who's talking <laughs> yeah They're that's like, great because you know I, I wrote about the film and uh, in, in talking about that i mentioned like malik and zanussi but <laughs> really i guess weird. i was a little <laughs> off it was in fact look who's talking <laughs> i uh, yeah sorry uh but it, it, I can't. I can't deny it. I can't. I can't deny the. I can't deny the influence of that awesome sequence. It is. It is weird because it's like I guess like what you're saying when if you're from outside of the city watching a movie about New York, it's almost like you're trying to get access to these places uh, in some way. But f being from here, it's almost like you're watching it to see if they get things right mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, which is weird. I. But, but I, then I do know that like. When we did, when we made Daddy Long Legs, uh, we jumped around a bunch. We did okay. things that were actually like physically, geographically impossible, it and it was just fun to just kind of do that. Uh, I know which Tom Anderson gets very upset about in Los Angeles. Yeah, a lot of people were very gets, upset with us. Like she got on the A train and gets out at the F train stop. Yeah. Like that's not possible. <laughs> uh, and what other and movies? There's a lot of controversy around the lack of a sports book at Mohegan Sun. I know. There is. There's a, this I, is really sinking you guys. I know. Well, <laughs> there was actually there's there's a lot of people are adding us about like the fact that Howard says ESPN instead of TNT. I and the reality is is that when you are a better you first of all he in his mind he says flip it to ESPN because he's not thinking practically but he gets the remote yeah, yeah. and he flips it to TNT. Yes. We knew it was TNT. Well, yes. The we had is, the like, footage. It's not yes. like we silenced the haters. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not like <laughs> we didn't is, know like, it was TNT. I did, well, I, I, that, yes. The thing is, I didn't realize he didn't say TNT. You know what I mean? Like, that never actually entered my head because it's the last game was on ESPN before that, and it goes back and forth between ESPN and TNT all the time. So it's not he's, that big. He's not worrying about yes. the, he's not worrying about telling his wife the right channel just, to flip it, it to. To me, it's kind of incredible what people are seeing mm. in it. Like, somebody just, I think it's a I think it's a troll, Benny. I don't think they're really that well, upset about but it. I think no, no, I'm talking about I was gonna I was gonna say somebody just sent me uh, like they're like, Oh my god, this is our table. It was like the person who made the, the, the glass table in Howard's apartment. They're like, that was my dad's table. I was like, that's I love I think I remember seeing kids for the first time. Oh and yeah, uh I was uh I in a scenario where there was whippets being done and I hadn't it was the movie had just come out on tape and it was playing on the television. And it was the scene in that apartment when they're doing whippets, watching uh, um, the uh, Mark Gonzalez t tape uh, that I think Spike Jones did. Uh, what was it? Video Days? They're yeah. watching Video Days on on the tel on television. And by the way, I'm not a skater. Never. I skated once. I remember I, I had one nasty accident in uh, um, Corona Park, going down the hill from the subway, and I remember just just destroying shredding my chest and now I, ne I never skateboarded ever again after that but it doesn't didn't change the fact that when i saw this moment it was like a real life just extending off the screen scenario and that was that was um that's when you start to realize like you take it for granted that you just start to see 
you know, you, 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 when you see the city that you're in on screen so much, it, it doesn't, um, it, it, I, I, sometimes I'm jealous that I don't get to have that experience that someone from out, from outside the city sees. Is, and is that where are you from, Nick? Cincinnati, Ohio, the okay. Queen City of the West. <laughs> so, I mean, I was Do able you... to see my city reflected in such films as 1993's Airborne, <laughs> uh, a rollerblading thriller, which, uh, it's incredible. Thriller slash teen comedy, uh, which, uh, Includes the screen debut of a very young Jack Black and engages. I didn't in... know that. Never seen isn't, it. it. Drew Carey's isn't Drew Carey Cincinnati? No, Cleveland. Oh, it's Cleveland. Damn, you're right. Really I'm embarrassing. I'm sorry, <laughs> that's embarrassing for me. I'm sorry. Yorgos just shot in Cincinnati. That's correct. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, quite a few things have been there recently. Uh, that tax break. You got it. <laughs> well, famously doubles for New York yeah. uh, in Carroll, more it's or so, less convincingly. So, I, yeah, I, I remember. I remember hearing that. It's so it's, strange. The idea of cheating a location seems so foreign to me. We had to do it for the opening of the movie just because the government wouldn't allow us to go and shoot in Ethiopia. So we had to shoot in O'Keep, South Africa. And luckily, South Africa is like a major hub of the continent. So you had a lot of Ethiopians th there. So you could actually populate the, the scene with Ethiopians. But I just fundamentally don't agree with cheating a location. I just don't. I don't. I think it's that's part of the pro. That's part of the process of making a movie. Well, the thing is I, documenting a place. Well, it's like the BBC used to do this all the time when they would shoot outside. It was on film, but inside was video. That's kind always of like, so disorienting. Yes. Watching like Monty but, Python yeah. reruns when suddenly somebody steps outdoors. Yeah, it's this, this like cocked, like yes. grainy sixteen millimeter. That's kind of what it feels like when you're on location. Like, oh my god, you're like really there. But I guess this, I was thinking is. is is an outside view of New York or Philly is Home Alone 2? You know, like that coming into the city and that's... It's like a tourist movie. But that's what so I... that might be like an outside yeah. thing. Yeah, so I'm wondering like, oh, is that... So it's, uh, that's why it's like, okay, what is it like to see New York in a movie like Kids when you don't like, oh, that's that's exists there? Was there, a, you know? there, was a, there was a TV movie that I saw that was called uh, Children of Times Square. Mm -hmm. I think that's the title of it. And there was something about... The runaway nature of it that felt very um, that felt very inviting to me because it's just like oh I could just go like it's like Shredder's Lounge in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles you know what I mean it's just kind of like oh there's this wreck there's this lawless place where it's just like young people hanging out but I remember like I remember I remember that movie being that seeing that movie on television and being like oh there's okay. the Charlie Ahern. Which is pretty cool. Well, oh, yeah, that, that, that I didn't see young, but I, I know what I'm that. saying. He, that, did you ever see that short film that he did, the Charlie Ahern called uh, Doing Time in Times Square? No, no, I haven't. It's amazing. It's, it's just it's like a home movies, movie, yeah, yeah of him cool. mostly filming outside of his window. He lived on 43rd and 8th, and uh, actually his son is in a lot of the footage, and his son had that thing called Show Paper, which was around, which was like listed all like the free shows in the five boroughs and stuff, and uh, uh, it's a... It's a really... He shoots it all from his window. It's all from the window, and it's just, you know, Times Square in the 80s and early 90s. It's across, you keep, And his wife is a painter, and she had a studio above Playland, uh, which is on 8th or 9th. 8th. 8th. Anyway, it, it's a, that's a very cool movie. I did a... Um, I did a double bill of it, a program double bill of it. We did it at a BAM like 10 years ago after Daniel Long. Like that and heavy traffic. But it was a, it was a good double billing. 
Yeah. But wait, so I want to ask you, so what were the movies that you saw, the New York <clears throat> movies that you saw that you were like, oh, I want to go live there? Well, I didn't I didn't come to this city until I was 21, mm-hmm. maybe 20. Um, yeah, 20. So I came relatively late, I suppose. And, you know, being born at the very end of 1980, most of what I was seeing, especially during my sort of formative movie watching years, there is still a kind of vestigial fun city atmosphere, mm-hmm. which is like very much uh, there in kids, for example, yeah, yeah. which, you know, I saw in circumstances not wildly different <laughs> yeah, yeah. from those that uh, you saw it in. Uh, and I was also like a big hardcore kid. So mm-hmm. like music videos and like this particular mm-hmm. kind of tough you, you guy throwed out his movie what's that you saw todd oh yeah, yeah 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 of course but i mean, I mean also when, when you when i didn't see that movie until i was like in my mid-20s yeah. hated uh but that was that's an amazing new york document yeah, yeah. That movie. and like that or like watching like the biohazard like punishment uh-huh. music video where there's like just <laughs> i don't know 60 that. 60 uh you know greaseball tough guys just barreling down the Brooklyn Bridge, wow. like, you know, stage diving off the scaffolding and shit awesome. like that. Uh, all of which, of course, I knew wasn't going to be happening when I you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> got like, off the bus, <laughs> like, uh, you know, Axl Rose at the beginning of the Welcome to the Jungle uh-huh. music video, <laughs> yeah. with the, like, piece of uh, straw sticking out of the corner of my mouth or <laughs> whatever it is. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I think there was still a kind of scurrilousness Mm -hmm. that was often what New York was used for. I mean, certainly there were other things as well, but I think... I mean, Taxi Driver must have been a... Oh, absolutely. Taxi Driver was one that I remember seeing as a little kid uh, because our dad just would watch stuff all the time. It was, you know, that you don't really... you As a kid, you have no recollect you have no way of really accessing a movie like that same thing with the tv show taxi i would watch taxi on television it felt like something for adults it's like oh this is like there's weird morals and stuff and i don't want to watch this thing but i it was on all the time so you end up watching it and taxi driver was one of those things that our dad watched a lot and and uh it was this you know you kind of it felt like oh that is, you know, that's the story of a taxi driver. But like by the time we were, you know, old enough to take a taxi or whatever, when we were with whatever with our dad or something, it, it, it didn't look like Robert De Niro. You know what I mean? Well, they you did. You could you'd see that. Actually, I remember there was like a couple of checkered cabs left. Yeah. That yeah, you could I remember hail, those. Yeah, but they were like a novelty. But my point is that like it wasn't. It wasn't. It that, became no. more of an immigrant's uh, uh, yeah. a job than than. Yeah. But, but which was but you projected onto it still and and uh, there still is and the but it wasn't as like you know like you don't the romance of that movie you know the brass uh, the, it was it did make you feel it did add like an epic nature. I mean, movies in general are just epic. There's, there was there was a thing that could make you like when you'd see it, you'd be proud a little bit of like, oh my god, this is this place. Like, mm-hmm. but it's, again, I think, but I think that speaks to just like a lot of the time it does feel like cities in the United States in general have that you know vibe that there's certain like sometimes it, yeah I guess you're saying there's certain mm-hmm. movies where you can't mistake it for New York, but then there's some where it just is like an, like an urban feel to it. That Underrated New York movie is Julian Donkey Boy. Mm. Underrated New York. It's movie. a deep, to think of, deep queen. Yeah, it's an underrated to think one because it just has, that don't feel like New it York, has that Russian New York. that Russian immigrant vibe and and uh, 
you know, where there's someone you can have a house, you know what I mean? And and uh, but just like the bus in general and those stores that she when she goes into the stores, the ice yeah. skating rink. I, I am trying to think of do the right thing was a do the right thing was a what felt, you know, felt so real. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It felt so like, can, oh, can you think of ones that are New York but don't? Don't feel real? Yeah. I'm like one that pops me is kind of three days of the condor a little bit. Mm. Doesn't really feel like New York City. Uh-huh. I don't know why. Maybe I mean, it's only there for a little bit, but but the, here's a here's a a thing maybe worth thinking about is like it's not as though there's any one hard and fast New York City. Yeah. I mean, you bring up uh, you know, Tom Anderson sort of talking about yeah. the quality of light. There are certain things that you know you have to contend with, but by way of a sort of strained analogy, I was recently teaching a class on Hong Kong cinema mm-hmm. and sort of talking about the different Hong yeah. Kongs oh, yeah. that exist. So, for example, uh, if you watch Peter Chan's Comrades Also a Love Story from 1996, mm-hmm. you get uh, Hong Kong looks really cold mm-hmm. throughout it. It's really like blanched, cold, bone-chilling. Whereas if you watch any given Wong Kar Wai movie, yeah. it's, it's constantly it's sure. monsoon season. Yeah. Yeah. And like similarly... Uh, did you guys see Eliza Hitman's movie Beach Rats? I have seen it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's this like deep, like tide water, like yep. graves in Brooklyn, sure. which has a very different quality than, say, Bed Stuy mm-hmm. and Do the Right Thing. Well, yeah, it's an aquatic, you know, that's, a, that's like, it's like a, it's a, you, I love, I love being reminded, uh, specifically in cities, that's beach town, ultimately. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, like there's the Bas- Stefan Marbury's from a beach town, and it's crazy that he. I mean, he got game is a is a great great Coney uh, Island, a, yeah. And but that's, that's but it's a beach think. movie, you know what I mean? Like it's it's ultimately it's like the equivalent of like the surfer films in L.A. Except like there's basketball courts, you know what I mean? It's and like practically an Annette Funicello uh, <laughs> yeah. vehicle. Little, little Fugitive's a great New York movie. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that one, I really, when I saw that movie for the first time, that was a, that spoke to me big because we would go uh out to to the to long beach a lot and 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 sometimes rockaways and uh the boardwalk in general was always like a real thing yeah, under, I under the boardwalk that was actually under the boardwalk always was, seemed like there was some fucked up shit going yeah, on that was there. actually after seeing that movie that was the only time where i actually remembered making a movie to try and capture a new york that i thought was going to go away and that was we made a short film just about coney island mm-hmm. and i remember wanting to do that because we heard everything was going to get totally changed and i think trump was like doing it was gonna happen and i was like oh we gotta go and just do anything and it was just that i that that urge actually to go and preserve something on some sort of video was was there which was strange and of course it's you go there it's still the same you know it's just a whole different no but i hear bigger roller coaster but woody allen you know obviously you know portrays the city in a in a much 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 more a different light than abel ferreira uh and you know, there's a or Glickenhaus, or yeah, or Glickenhaus. Think about that shakedown, yeah, the, like, the god. Yeah, Glickenhaus. Yeah. I know. What's up with him? I, I remember he did like a Q and A for Shakedown at uh, ninety two. Sh- didn't Sean get like the perfect print from him? Sean organized the print. I think Sean's still in touch with Glickenhaus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Sean Price Williams. Yeah, um, but yeah, but that's just like pure chaos. That movie. it's just like. <laughs> Thinking but about again, the city, like like but, almost escape from New York. But, but that's a beautiful. That's an example where I like how it pieces things together that don't make sense. Mm. And I, that to me is exciting in a lot of ways. But I don't know, you, you you can be beholden to wanting things to be a perfect. Angelo, my love. That's a cool New York movie. The 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 uh, Robert that, Duvall. What's is the one? What's is that? 
that Richard is the Richard Gear one. The brothers is that in New York? Oh, one? that's the Bronx. Yes. Yeah, Blood, oh, Brothers. Blood Brothers. Yes. Uh, that's a uh, Mulligan. Yeah. Who's yeah. a Bronx Mulligan's native. Mulligan's a great director. Very great, great director. Great director, Rob Mulligan. That's a cool movie. Yeah, it's, it is it's, a cool. It's melodrama a little yeah, bit, but, but it's Richard Price. Uh, Richard Price wrote the book. Yeah. I like that movie. Yeah, I mean, I Richard Gear is such a hunk. But I, oh, such that's a, star, a that's another movie. I'm like, wow, that's also that's part of the city too. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, that's that's a cool one. You know, obviously, like how many? I remember Wild Wild Style was a very cool one too. Speaking of Charlie Ahern earlier, I remember seeing that one when I used to be into graffiti. And like, you watch it from a different point of view. Like, like I remember like like that movie um, Dark Days when that came out. I was like, so I was so into that because I was just like, yeah, that was like a total phenomenon at the time, which like nobody talks about. No one talks about it anymore. That movie with with Street uh, um, Style Wars. Those were like these two movies that if you were like interested in um, like graffiti culture in any way, like the Source magazine used to like release these burner pages in the back. Like you can just look at like who's doing new tags. And I was into graffiti and I just as a, whatever as an art form. And so I, it was like wild style dark days because it was like the tunnels that peep graffiti writers would go into. And then style Wars. style Wars is a great movie. It's a great it's, portrait of the city. I'm also like, I'm thinking about like, Movies that movies that are showing other cities in a weird way to kind of contrast in my own head. I'm thinking and Streetwise popped in my head. like mm-hmm. that seeing that and seeing how that city a Seattle classic yeah. yes. and you're just like okay how does that's another urban kind well, of here's, United, here's an interesting you want to know an interesting that, statistic is it just this because of the is it just because there's so many people here together that that's there's, why so many this is an interesting statistic. a lot of people I know who move to New York I ask them often like. You know, when we're talking about movies, I was like, well, what, what was the movie? They'll say, movies made me move to New York. Mm. And a lot of people often cite Basquiat, the Schnabel yeah. movie. Huh. Isn't that weird? And I kind of understand why, it. because it has a very, very, uh, uh, well, it's very romantic, but it has a very, um, how do I put this? It's it has a like a there's I want to say com- it doesn't commodify it because it, well, it but makes it, you feel like if this if you move to the city this is the kind of creativity that's flowing yeah. everywhere at all yeah. times. Yeah, you, you know? can sleep in the yeah. park, but also buy caviar with Andy Warhol at the same time. And there's like a there is like I, I when I remember we there are these two brothers who uh, really helped us a lot early in our career, uh, the Nystat brothers, and they. They would often tell us like, "There's the X class." We're like, "What's the X class?" It's like, "You can have no money whatsoever, but you can go and be have a three hundred dollar dinner that you don't even have to pay for." And like, they taught the art of like, basically like you know, piggybacking and things mm-hmm. like that, and and uh, grifting. Yes, grifting exactly. The and word was, you're searching for. Yeah, there you go. But it was just like I remember, but like, and I think that that movie Basquiat it does. I think it it implies that you can do that. You know what I mean? It is like a uh, it does have that vibe to it. Get your copy of our January-February 2020 issue of Film Comment, featuring our Best of the Decade extravaganza, with essays by Dennis Lim, Amy Taubin, Devika Garish, and R. Emmett Sweeney, the top 50 films and key new filmmakers of the 2010s, along with filmmakers, critics, and programmers' picks of the decade. 
Also, an in-depth interview with Pedro Costa, director of Vitalina Varela, opening at Film at Lincoln Center, and our Best of the Year poll, including write-ups of the 20 best films of 2019. Plus, Alex Ross Perry on screenwriting, Phoebe Chen on NYFF sensation Martin Eden, Albert Serra on the scandalous Liberté, along with the reviews, articles, and columns that make every issue of Film Comment a must-read. Support nonprofit, independent film journalism. Support Film Comment. And, and then simultaneous to much of what we're talking about, and this pops into my head when you mention, like, what brought you here? Yeah. And just thinking about demographic shifts mm -hmm. over the last, you know, 25 years, let's say, yeah. since kids, we have to remember that simultaneous to this, we have Friends. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. We I forget have that Seinfeld. Oh, yes. We have Sex in the City. Yeah. We have Felicity. All of which... Felicity takes place in New York. I never it does seen indeed, that. yeah. I but will I, but, say... But Friends Sein takes place in New York. That's Seinfeld, right, the place is called Central yes, Perk, right? But Seinfeld, yeah. <laughs> Seinfeld feels way more New York in a lot of ways than Friends because there was that... There, well, I didn't, yeah. Well, Friends but, is garbage. But, even, is, yeah. but even, even like if you look at just like... Seinfeld's a great show. But Seinfeld, none of it really is ever shot in New York. You know what's you know, fun to do? Like, or very little. You, but the sets, something about the sets felt more No, you know what's very cool to do with Seinfeld? Search on Google Seinfeld exteriors. Mm. There's a website that's that's cataloged all of them. No, I mean, for years by McCarran Park in Williamsburg is the like Latvian Orthodox Church oh. that George converts mm -hmm. to. <laughs> and every time I walk by, whoever mm -hmm. happens to be with me has to be subjected to that fact <laughs> and of course with the passage of time they care yeah, less yeah. and yeah. less well, well, the, right. well actually what's crazy is here. jerry's apartment is actually not his exterior is not even new york his oh, yeah. apartment it's in la really yeah they found some like street that looked like That's new york amazing. i know because i once did the search i was like let me see where this built where this building actually is i was like this building doesn't exist even though he says the address i forgot what it was somewhere in west but it's like i, I it is funny to think about that like that that they where they went to such great lengths to make have all these great exteriors, <laughs> but his apartment they just didn't just send a fucking video yeah. crew to go and shoot that. Uh, and in talking to 35 like millimeter, Seinfeld. yeah, thirty five shot him. Sein, right. Yeah, that's why when they were when they actually went and did the remastering. Yeah. Like, oh my god, there's film grain on this on this TV show. It's kind of cool. I mean, I mean talking of, talking of like quintessential New York movies that are largely faked. I mean, Mean Streets immediately oh, yeah. like comes I know, to I mind. I often talks about that. I talk about that all the time. Is most of that stuff was shot in L.A. Yeah. Except that, but the exteriors are really where that movie really. Yeah. And also, it's all New Yorkers. You yes. know what I mean? And and I really believe that like you can get the setting through the people more than anything. You know what it's I mean? Good so, proof of that. Yeah. Yeah, and that movie is real real proof. I mean, Goodfellas is is mostly like a Long Island movie. Uh, that's why, like, people are like, "How could you not put Goodfellas on top New York movies?" Like, it is a new, technically New York film, but it's like m more of it takes place in Long Island than you know what I mean. It's it's it's. T I mean, I, if in speaking of, um, I think one of the the great New York chroniclers is Lumet. I mean, Lumet mm -hmm. Lumet made a Diamond District movie. He was there's only two movies that did it before us. Marathon Man, famously, and I just recently met someone who was a second AD on that movie. Really? And what they did to get the whole crowd reacting is they actually put fake blood on the neck. Oh, and like he was yeah, so everyone was looking, thinking that this guy was actually bleeding from his neck, and they just shot real people. Uh, and then Stranger Among Us, the Lumet film, which gets a bad rap, but I like that film. People really don't like that movie. People make fun of it often, and I, I think it's a cool movie. I mean, it's. It's tough, you know. Melanie Griffith playing a, a she's not playing a hostage. She's playing an undercover cop pretending to Marathon be a Marathon Man has the chain link fence as he's running around the reservoir, which yeah. is something that was yeah. that's a, gone again now. like a thing that was gone. But yeah. um, the uh, 
the, the but but Stranger Among Us is a very uh, is is a cool New York movie because it does jump around. You do get to see the Hasidic community in Brooklyn, and then you get to see Forty Seventh Street. James Gandolfini's in it, and he's he's a I'll, New York will claim him. You know what I mean? He's <laughs> a he's great in it. I think it's his first movie. The Hot Rock. Hot Rock's a yeah. cool. I mean, you make you you made a point about the degree to which certain actors kind of carry. New York, New York yeah. with them, and mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned The Little Fugitive, mm-hmm. and certainly it's an incredible movie in terms of getting Coney Island oh, yeah. big time, at yeah. that time, but it's also that kid's oh, accent, God. that like <laughs> yes, super right. marble-mouthed <laughs> accent. True. Yeah, totally. And then, you know, for example, something like Heat, which is, yeah. you know, the Los Angeles yep. movie, yeah, yeah. but it's, you know, What was the original block. title? It was uh, Los Angeles. Los Angeles Shakedown? Shake- Showdown or <laughs> something like that, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, 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 totally, I agree. Uh, who who else would we put? I mean, you have to you put you got you got to put um, Pesci. I mean, I I put I put Dangerfield down there as one mm-hmm. of the great New York. Also a Long Islander though, like yeah. West Babylon. And he lived. Serves. You know who he lived with? He lived with Joe Ansis. Uh, and Joe Ansis was Lenny Bruce's joke writer, and they had an aluminum siding company uh, uh, yeah, together. Yeah. Company, and then it was failing, and he was like all told his Jack Roy. Dangerfield's real name, and he was totally down on. I think he went through a divorce. Something went. In, someone went into an insane asylum, and he was just like basically ready to quit. And he was gonna just do a quick seven minutes. And they're like, "How oh, you want me to introduce you?" I was like, "I don't know. Make something up. Make some shit up." And he said, "Ladies and gentlemen, Rodney Dangerfield." And then he came out. And then I mean, I would love to see that happen again in society. Sixty-four years old is when he was a movie star. Yeah, think about that. No one could ever. That could never happen again. I would wish. I wish that that. I wish that our society was open enough that that could happen. But Rodney Dangerfield is incredible. I mean, him and him and Pesci and Easy Money. It's a great movie. Great movie right there. That movie and cop and cops and robbers could be uh, related a little there's bit. A, there's another one, The Super Cops. You know that one. Oh, that fantastic! Unbelievable. Fantastic. That's rest in movie. peace. Lehman just died. Ron Lehman just died. Yeah. The that, the uh, if one of the characters' fathers and friends, but like yes. absolutely yeah, yeah. the. The great role of his career, is yeah, super cool. Ron, Ron Lehman, right? yeah, Lehman. yeah. Hey, there's something, yeah. there's something about. I remember Lehman when Lieber, Liebman, Ron Lehman, yeah. I remember when we saw that. It was up. It was oh, what was that amazing? Well, Bill Lustig used yes, to do that at, series, at the yeah. anthology. Why did they stop doing that? That was a great. It was series. unbelievable, and that that's where we saw that. And I remember being in the theater, being like, "This is it!" I was so excited about how they shot action in the city because it felt so kind of homemade in a lot of ways and then you heard about how they actually made that movie yeah. where they just had like Ronnie Ron was saying they had like the Muslim Brotherhood was just with them as they were walking through Brooklyn and they were their protection and it was just like they just went and shot all this stuff and they made and to show in that movie also you had the two he opens it up with the real footage. Well, that's speaking like of Eastwood. Our, yeah. Speaking of Eastwood, like our fifteen seventeen. Yes, I had to get it in there somehow. <laughs> Opening up with the real footage of these people, <laughs> and then cutting to like these like actors playing them. Was wait, wait, so we have to interrupt, and I have to point out to your credit, Nick. Years ago, <laughs> when we saw fifteen seventeen to Paris, afterwards, you did say to me. You'll still be thinking about this movie in three years, and yeah. it's not, it hasn't been quite three years, but I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> I was just talking about it the other day, the yes. train scene. I was just you under. I mean, we, heaven knows what we did similar. We yeah. had people reenacting moments from their lives, but that's a oh, that's the insane. way of which those perform those people recreate such a heroic moment. They're performing like they're in a Marvel film. It's unbelievable. 
It's unbelievable. Sorry, yeah. we don't. No, not, not at all. Word, but I mean, I but actually, you were right. You were right. Uh, you know, you, you got to listen to me sometimes. <laughs> I know, I know a thing or two. I, I actually wanted to go back to cops and robbers because if I remember right, the like opening shot of that movie is like a real long zoom into like a backyard barbecue. Oh yes, it is. In yeah. like somewhere in deep it's like, fucking it's Queens. Pr- yes. No, I think it's. Uh, I think it's a Brooklyn. I think it's. Oh, uh, is it? Okay. I think it might be. It's might be it's oh, yeah. it might be Bay Ridge I, it, or it, it might be um it's kind of similar to the like the backyard of the pawnbroker. I don't remember <laughs> yeah. where it is. I used to know it, but anyway, yeah, sorry. But I mean that that I I just thought of that when you mentioned yeah. cops and robbers cuz yeah. that yeah, I, I know you guys above ground pool. And you guys you you like your long lenses. Yeah, yeah. You like your sort For of sure. surveillance yeah. uh Needle Park. They did that all, you know, it was a lot of I've never seen cops and robbers. I don't know where we would know. Uh there was uh yeah some of the best long lens stuff ever is in is in Kainastoski, but that's another conversation. But uh, uh yeah, cops and cops and robbers is uh I want to rewatch that again. Bill I Lustig, Bill Lustig, that program that he used to do uh it was, awesome. it was really special. Yeah. It was a really awesome program. But he also, speaking of New York canon, he catalog cataloged. Oh, he put that DVD. Out, he put yeah. together the Midnight Blue. Al Goldstein, oh, Al Goldstein documentary yeah. box set, uh, which had it was like Bill <laughs> Lustig was pushing DVD technology right at the weird time to do that, like right <laughs> at the at the advent of streaming. Kind of, yeah. He's like, I'm gonna do, we're gonna make it so that you have to have a DVD, and he, it was a lot of pop up. It was like pop up video technology, yeah. so there was lots of like you could turn it on and you could or you could turn it off, and there were these bubbles would show up, and you'd get like information about people showing up in in the discs uh but i love i love that that blue underground uh box set yeah we could also mention uh bill lustig's uh, vigilante with vigilante. its great mccarran park pool 100%, uh, yeah. they, i heard they're remaking that movie what is that gonna be like i don't know i mean oh, they God. remade re, they remade maniac cop this, no we did we did a we did a q a yeah. with um abel and it didn't wasn't didn't go the best it's for King of New York. No, but, an Abel Q and A. Here's the thing about Abel. <laughs> I have seen him do so many Q and As. I remember when he was living above La Mela when Blandick was working for him. And uh, shout out to Mike Blandick. Um, but he, he, I remember uh, we were, you know, I worked very briefly at this video store that was that was there, and he would come in. He, at one point, he tried to be basically rob the video store. Uh, I love Abel. I do. And I'm very happy uh, he got out of New York. But I I remember uh, very vividly, like, obviously, when we filmed, when we filmed yeah. with him. But I remember very vividly going to Q&As with him all the time. I remember his, his press conference for uh, Go-Go Tales. And his thing is he throws the moderator under the bus. Oh, absolutely. That's his but, thing. He yeah. doesn't care who you are. But, so when they asked us to do this thing, I was like, guys, I know what he does. He was so, oh, he's he a was, different able. And he also, he was, immediately he was so threw excited. us under the bus. You say something smart. I was like, what? I was like, it's, but anyway. Were you there at that, the King no, of No, but, but I did I did, I did. did a Q&A with him for uh, Pasolini at Metrograph recently. Yeah. And, you know, again, I knew this going but in. But you still are blindsided. No, but not I, really. I like, after yeah, yeah, the yeah. fact, everybody's yeah. coming up to me and like, oh, that must have been the toughest Q&A you've ever done. I was like, what are you talking? Yeah. That's what Abel yeah. does. I was, you're there to get dunked it, on. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, is yeah, all yeah. you're there for. Either way, I was I was then at one point, at one point I was just like, it's an okay. honor to be dunked on. <laughs> yeah. he, he, he didn't want Backboard to Backboard shattering <laughs> tomahawk yeah. dunks. <laughs> coming. That's right. It's as, as, I will as say when he... 
He did say some very interesting things. He said one thing that was somebody like raised their hand to be like pointing out the. It was the person in the crowd who was like, "Oh, this is fake. Like you didn't do like the real." He was trying to point out something wrong with New York, and he said, "How come he knows he's on the seven train? How come they both get on the same train?" And it basically like they were they left at different times. Like what's what's the deal with that? And Hibble's response was. How else do you get out of Queens? <laughs> I just love that. It was just something so perfect. And again, it was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. The best. <laughs> I mean, something I'd be interested to hear you guys talk about is you were, you were talking about, you know, the TNT thing, the Mohegan Sun thing, and the fact that, like, people will nitpick on, I think, your movies in a way that nobody's going to like. Because we're establishing the language in realism. It's grounded in realism, yeah. and people. And you think people believe, I think part of the reason why that, that the reaction has been like, that was so intense, is I think part of it's built into the fabric of the movie, which is you're seeing, you think you're seeing reality unfold, which the general idea of watching reality unfold has a laced tension into it because it, it subconsciously invokes voyeurism, which makes you feel like you're looking at something you shouldn't be seeing. So that's all baked into there. So when you set that standard, everyone just holds everything up to that, to like the most intense scrutiny of like, that's not real. And it's just like, well, I hear you. And we do go to great lengths to try to be as accurate as possible. But one, you know, I mean, if they're like the, the Mohegan Sun thing, for example, like, that originally was Atlantic City. Uh, I think in the, a long time ago it was Vegas. Yeah, but that's where the, the Vegas is the only place that had a sports book. And people, and then people well. who know bookies, like I know a bunch of bookies who would take that action. And now there's this whole thing. It's like no book would ever take that action. You know what? That's free money to a sports book. That is the dumbest bet of all time. Mm -hmm. People are like you can't do a prop bet and parlay with this only. I'm sorry. It, it, first of all, maybe at a real book they might not do that. But in our movie, they do. You know what? It just happens. And and but but real. There are a lot of bookies who who die who would love to someone to come to them with and, that much money. I mean, they have to figure out a way to lay it off. Well, and but, also, it's it's also the 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 diamond. His showroom and his back room and everything is actually built on a stage in Long Island. Mm. But again, it feels very. You know, it's like because we brought the people out from the district to that stage, you know, and we really went to great lengths to make it feel like. I remember there. getting upset with our production designer because we didn't have the money to actually. You, what you when you get shoot on a stage, they do these things called uh, um, what are they called? The 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 back the backdrops. There's a name for them. Uh, some weird production term I forgot what it's called, but anyway, the, it's the it's the about. it's the thing that gets illuminated that looks like so the, the city the light, out the window. The light. Mm -hmm. What's uh. the light? I don't know, whatever. It doesn't What's matter. What's the one they used it on that was... It doesn't matter. Right. But we to do your own is very expensive, to make your own, because you have to photograph it and you have to print it. And most of the time, you just rent ones that exist currently. And we had to pick ones from this library. And we ended up picking... You know, 47th Street is very particular. So I, I remember getting very upset because all of the backdrops that were that were presented to us, none of them actually made any sense. Like, it was either like... Midtown high rise. Yeah, there's too many windows, or, or it was like a tenement backyard. You know what I mean? It made no sense. So we ended up picking something that was from Chicago or whatever. And I remember being so self conscious. I was like, we got Chicago out the window, but no one could tell. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, Louis yeah. Sullivan, who yeah. built most of Chicago, also built most of Soho. So it's like, you can, <laughs> no one really can tell those things. But I remember like 
I remember Darius, our DP, ended up obscuring the windows so much anyway because he just didn't like the way it was printed to begin with. But I remember being upset about that, being like, I we didn't want to shoot on a stage. We didn't. We wanted to shoot yeah. in the real place. But when we got to do we actually our, modeled, we modeled the hallway exactly after a real hallway. Yeah. In the Diamond District. I, but when we got to the actual, because I wrote it with a fictional showroom in mind, the layout and everything like that. And I, the idea was going to be to build a real business in an empty space mm. on 47th Street. And they existed. There was a bunch of places available. But when we went to scout with our location scout, uh, uh, you know, when we were looking for places, we went to 47th Street on Friday, which is Shabbat. So the Shabbat elevator stops at every floor. Yeah, yeah. So everyone looked at each other and was like, we all know this isn't an option. If we're shooting on a Friday, we can't run on the eighth floor. We can't have people bringing up bags of equipment up eight flights. You can't shoot here, Josh. And I was like, that was so like there was the, the, the parking, everything. There was so many logistical reasons that made it difficult. And we had to accept. But our doing idea it was like it's great for the crew every day to come through yes. the Diamond District yeah. and, and arrive then, there. So then you, then you have to like you have to figure out ways to make it feel like it is there and i don't know yeah you do like weird things like you don't you can't move the showcases because yeah i mean logistics is a really interesting thing to talk about with regards to this movie because it is so grounded in just kind of dealing with contingencies Mm -hmm. it's like the buzzers fucked up and you know situations that emerge out of environment Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. and i think this goes back to what you were saying earlier, this importance of uh, knowing the place and being able to actually sort of tread that terrain and know the kind of situations that come up. Yeah, totally, that's, yeah. that's one thing that I'm actually upset we don't have. We did have it in there a little bit was the lobby. The lobbies of those buildings are very specific. And there was a scene that took yeah. place between Mitchell, the guy who he gives the watch to, shows up at, at the end again. Uh we had a the whole the, the lines for the elevator. We had the a buzzer. great scene with him yeah. in that in the lobby. And, and it was good. Uh, yeah. And I remember it was like I remember having a weird moment, New York moment, because we shot that in the lobby after hours. So Darius had to light the front to make it look like daylight was still happening. <laughs> and I remember stepping out of the lobby to go and grab like a soda or something and taking a look back and seeing all pedestrians walk past and clearly know like oh they're shooting something in there and i had a moment where i was in the mind of one of these pedestrians being like someone asking somebody what are they shooting oh this movie called uh did we use we used uncut no we called it was called was it called our production wasn't called uncut gems it was called something else we were shooting i think it was called like kmh commercial production or something Mm -hmm. uh but i remember someone saying oh it's a movie with adam sandler and i could see people from across the street looking at the big lights shining into this midtown building on 47th street and being like oh i know that what that person's feeling right now there's a little bit of awe there's a little bit of a a, like annoyed like kind of like this is disturbing my 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 walk home and then there's a little bit of like do i have the time to sit and maybe get a glimpse of adam sandler if he comes out and who what's this production like is there free food i can take so like it is i I had that was a cool moment for new york but i wish we did keep so one scene that like like benny's saying it did the lobbies of these buildings are like extensions of the street and they do feel it was a cool vibe in that yeah. scene and I, another it's it's weird because it's like what darius did at times which is well all the time it's incredible there was one the scene with sandler and the keith in the car do you remember the giant light that was in front of that car 
And you again, know, a lot of the time, Darius like to light things. So but, I just but, kind of would just again, I was it. just thinking because it's like again, here we are trying to pretend like we're not shooting a movie on the streets, even though we so we leave it open and we have this big footprint. But again, here we have with the two of these that we have Adam and Lakeith in the car with this giant twelve like, twel- by twelve, 12 foot, by yeah. twelve light lighting them up. And it wasn't a twelve by twelve light. It was a no. The 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 yeah. the, the, the frame was twelve. By the 12. frame, but but it was all the diffusion or whatever. But I remember just people just walking, even though we had all that infrastructure, mm. people still just walking around the car, going by, like it, everything was open. And people just, just they, they take a look, they acknowledge it, and then they move on. Yeah. And it, every once in a while, yeah, and in, in the background it could edit, you could be fucked with the um, continuity. But for the most part, people just kind of move with it and they because if you stop well, I think that I notice no, it when what, it's, wait, a big wait, part of it wait, is, wait, wait. is not stopping no, no, the wait, street wait, wait. allows yes, people to think because, that it's a small budget movie that's that, yes because yeah, the thing is, is no one cares people are like oh it's not it's nothing to see there but they there is Adam Sandler there and they'll but even people be like yo Adam and then they'll just keep moving you know because there's that mentality is there but I know that when I'm walking through the streets and I get stopped for a movie it makes me very upset because and I am like all right I gotta do it because like if I that happened for me, you know, even though we wouldn't stop anybody, but if you had to stop somebody, like, look, I'm really sorry, you'd want like karma to say, okay, he stopped, so then they'll stop for you in the future if you needed that. But at some one point, I remember being like, all right, this is out of control. This is five minutes. You can't have me no. standing here for five minutes. And I just burst through the thing. And again, it's all about existing within the city and the feel of the city because once you stop people you're disrupting the flow and then that's gonna have ill will going through so i don't know at some point you have to but i don't know i wonder since you know we've talked about all of these kind of positive models or even if they're <laughs> not models like films that seem to do it right and uh, you know mean streets we mentioned is like what like six days of exteriors mm-hmm. but it's still very much a new york movie i wonder if there are any things that strike you as like dead giveaways of the movies. And there are a great many of them that shoot, you know, every, you know, every second of their screen time in New York city, but get nothing of it at all. Like what, well, what's that's what I was trying to, yeah, that's yeah. Kind of what I was trying yeah, to yeah. Look who's talking. Look who's talking. But look who's talking. Shoot, shoot anything here. Yeah. Um, what that's what I was trying to figure out. Like what does, what are, what are the like complete duds or, you know, what's a great New York, York movie paid in full. That's a great New York movie and juice too. But yeah, the New oh, York yeah. Paid in full is a very high New York that's awesome. awesome. I love yeah. that. That's movie. kind of like the New York movies in New York that aren't New York. That have yes. no, I, sorry, that just popped in my head. I'm trying to think of a movie that, that doesn't, that's what I said. Well, three days of the condor, is one that I guess it's not necessarily a New York movie, but that's probably why I don't feel like it. But mm-hmm. there are some things in that that are pretty quintessential, though. Like the, I mean, there's the so rain. many big budgeted movies that are prop that I don't see, but like you see trailers yeah. for them, and like they have to put the shot of the Empire State Building in there because or, otherwise you'd have no idea. Or the like helicopter or drone shot coming in on like Lower Manhattan, yeah, yeah. this like view of the city that nobody who has ever lived here unless yeah. they're a helicopter pilot, pilot. <laughs> has ever actually had. No, yeah, there's but my point is I don't I, I don't want to knock that cuz there is that in good time. We do have that exact shot in good <laughs> it's time. Not no, that no, it's, exactly. it's moving into a building. But it's in, it's a drone shot into Lower Manhattan. It's, it's a, dr- oh, no, it's, a just, it's, okay, it's not a drone, it's, it's a, a helicopter well, you know shot I mean. into a, helicopter. a municipal building but I'm just in saying, Lower Manhattan. It's a fine shot. I'm giving no, it no, the okay. You're talking, about. <laughs> you're talking about the touristic, yes. like, yeah. up fast, higher, up fast high. motion slows yeah. down. Sort you of see God's eye. I know exactly what you're talking about. Though, of course, I, Portrait of Jenny has a great 
like God's eye view of I don't Manhattan. Know Portrait of Jenny. Oh, uh, William Dieterle. I don't know that movie. No. Ooh, it's a good one. I gotta check that out. Yeah, I mean, it's yes. Portrait of Jason is a cool New York movie where you don't see anything outside New York. You oh, that's the that that's the character. Um, David Holzman's Diary, great New York movie. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of ones that are that yes. do it badly. I, I can't. I can't think of. But one. I mean, to that point, like very often it's a matter of not giving priority to showing the city. Yes, because. For those of us who live here, we're not too often conscious yeah. of well, and that's, it. And that's why I brought sure. up Home Alone 2, because that does have the touristic part. But then again, he goes off, and he's on the Upper West Side a little bit, right? It's Upper West Side. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, this kind of now, and he's in the park. Controversially are... mangled on Canadian television recently. Really? Yeah, the uh, oh, Don- Donald Trump Donald scene Trump. Oh, okay. removed. How did they get rid of that? Why would why would they get rid of that just because he's in there? In That's this... what happens if you <laughs> let socialism take over. It's, it's really, I mean, the it's, state censors it's at the crazy. order of Pierre. Trudeau. Why would they do that? It actually makes you would think it would make it more people tune in. Do they not want good ratings? <laughs> uh, like, well, he gets good ratings. The iron-fisted he? Canadian censors <laughs> yeah. have mangled what, and rendered a, nonsensical. Uh, I remember for Ronnie. For when Frownland played on Canadian TV on one of these channels, I don't know. They had to do. They asked him to do a like oh, video introduction best. thing, and he's asked us. He's like, "Can you guys help me make it?" We're like, absolutely. And we did this thing called Doo Doo Dollar, which is which is uh, which is based on a public access show that he used to watch when he was. I remember. At, I actually at the just remembered that I saved that Doo Doo. In a Tupperware, I remember I was like, it was like from one of our dogs. It's, I had it. Oh, I had saved it for like a couple days. It's a practical days. joke public access show wherein some people smeared dog shit, on, or I think in the show it was human shit, on a dollar bill, and then put it down on the ground and see who would pick it up. And then I remember when we no, remember, they they picked it up and then realized that it was shit. On and it. then yeah, so you so just see was, people. Was, oh, there's a dollar bill on the I ground. They got to pick it up. I'm like, oh, I remember gross. when we were doing it. We all none of us felt comfortable. We none of us wanted to actually put. Subject somebody to touching dog shit or human shit. So we put peanut butter on it, mm. which you still get the effect of someone being like, ugh, something's. They I did have, I had the shit in the tub. I know, well, we did it for the shot. Yes. Yes. That dollar got put into circulation. We did, by the way. we did do it for the shot of him smearing. Yes, yes I remember. Anyway, I, but I remember that was for Canadian TV, and I was so uh. hard to get Ronnie to just talk about his work. I was like, just talk about your work, just do it, because he he felt so uncomfortable about doing a video introduction, so he really needed us to push him to help to get him to just speak about his own work. Anyway, speaking of Canadian TV, yeah, I mean, uh, you mentioned Al Goldstein's uh, Sublime Midnight Blue. Yeah. I feel like you know some of the truest moving image based art that is referent to this city public is all access. public access. I know, like, I know. I'm wondering, Ugly George. Oh at my all. God, Ugly George, amazing. I mean, Robin Bird. Uh, Robin Bird. I remember I had a basketball coach who was on Robin Bird. He was very well hung. Uh, <laughs> he had a specific maybe, twitch, and he has a crazy tick. So I was like, "That's definitely him." Uh, but he, uh, but but Robin Bird. Uh, there's a, another great. Um, what's his name? He had, he was kind of another fat dude uh, who was who Goldstein would go on his show sometimes. I don't remember his name. He was good. He was more of just like a, he just used it to, it was like a very normal talk. Ronnie and I used to, when we wrote, speaking of Film Society, Lincoln Center, we wrote a lot of the movie in the projection booth here. And one of our little, they have cable. Weirdly, there's cable in the projection booth. Yeah. I don't know why, but there's cable television. And uh, we would take, our little treats would be on, I think on Mondays, there was some sort of uh, cosmic or astrology show 
that was like our treat. If we got a certain amount of work done, we could do some prank calls to the show. And it was awesome. I mean, I we, it just became a game between me and Ronnie of who could write the best phone call to call into this guy. I wish we recorded them. They were amazing. But there is there that's a huge I mean, that's gonna be gone. I, I'm wondering when the streamers totally take over what will happen because public access exists because well, I think you it'll, have... just, it'll actually free up the airwaves and probably make it more because then you'll have yeah maybe because they, there's, I, a, there's but, a set that's assuming that there's still going to be a cable service well no i don't you think can do that... it antenna wise and it'll be super localized i don't think that that works anymore of course it does you can you can there's antenna there's channels on the antenna that yeah but it's exist, digital but they they exist solely on yeah antenna you can only get channels based on antenna. anyway my my thought my like hope pirate radio. my hope is that when there's some someone's going to come in and centralize all the streaming services onto like one thing cable i mean apple's <laughs> kind of already they, done that's what cable is i know, I know i'm saying insane, yeah. we're going it's our human it's 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 our it's it's our basic uh instinct to just want to centralize everything Eventually, we will end up back with something like cable. <laughs> It'll just be like something that conglomerate, conglomerates. You pay them a service, and they have their own subcontracts with Netflix and all this stuff. And then I think when that happens, there will be some govern, government mandate that you have to have a public access streaming channel. And that is going to be awesome, whatever that is. I mean, it's just weird. That sounds almost exactly like what we had before. Yes, right? I don't understand. I'm saying it will be it that way. So I'm saying eventually that that's like the... I know that's like a novel idea. It's weird yeah. to me that like that we're just going to go back to we do the same shit all the time. <laughs> so well, crazy. I mean, what I hope to see because of course Uncut Gems doing Bafo Bo across the country right now. <laughs> I hope that with this newfound clout, you guys can be for New York Public Access what Scorsese has been for film preservation. <laughs> really throw yourself into that. Um, I will take that on. Uh, I will take that on. <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting the high sign. It's been really fun talking it's been to you great guys. Talking, Nick. Thank and, you. And uh yeah. Uh an absolute delight. Thank you. See you around, gents. Yeah. Richard Jewell. Richard Jewell. <laughs> You've been listening to the Film Comment Podcast with music by Greg Einge. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Film Comment is a bi-monthly magazine published by Film at Lincoln Center. Since 1962, Film Comment has featured in-depth features, critical analysis, and feature coverage of mainstream, art house, and avant-garde filmmaking from around the world. Visit us online at filmcomment.com to purchase a print or digital subscription to Film Comment. Or check out our app, available on Android, iOS, or Kindle. Get your copy of our January-February 2020 issue of Film Comment, featuring our Best of the Decade extravaganza with essays by Dennis Lim, Amy Taubin, Devika Girish, and R. Emmett Sweeney, the top 50 films and key new filmmakers of the 2010s, along with filmmakers, critics, and programmers' picks of the decade. Also, an in-depth interview with Pedro Costa, director of Vitalina Varela, opening at Film at Lincoln Center, and our annual Best of the Year poll, including write-ups of the 20 best films of 2019. Support nonprofit independent film journalism. Support Film Comment.